Welcome to the Finger Guns Podcast. My name is Roscoe. How are you doing? I'm joined by Mars Anderson. Oh, You've done that why, thing again where yeah. you combined our names. I have done, yeah. Does, does it even matter anymore? Does it matter? What, what does, does it matter? It, does anything matter now? <laughs> Miles Thompson, I'm sorry. Hello, Roscoe. Oh, man. How was, how was your birthday yesterday? <laughs> oh, it was it was very nice. Thank you. Up Good. until the moment that our national team decided to ruin it, as they always do. Yeah. They gave us hope, and then they ruined my birthday. So I'm not I mean, that's the, that's the worst thing of all, isn't it, really? Yeah. It's just 20... having your having your birthday ruined. 27 you know it should be a good year it should be a good year and it's started on the worst possible note thanks to england toby thompson <laughs> i knew that was coming how you doing i'm, I'm not as depressed as uh, as the, the u2 sound um <laughs> I, I did watch it but um not, not being all that invested in football generally i uh I just, I just carried on with my day afterwards. <laughs> it sounds weird, doesn't it? <laughs> what are you talking about, Toby? You carried yeah. on with your day. I just went to bed, and then in the de- then the day after, I was like, "Oh yeah, football." Didn't even remember it. There was a lot of um, horrendous stuff on the on Twitter and things afterwards, which I wasn't very pleased about. So I did, sure. I did have to remember it in that respect. Um, I feel a bit, you know, like when when the game was on, I felt quite proud and I was, you know, happy and except, except at the last minute, obviously, but. Um, this morning listening to and, and reading all the stuff that's come up i'm just like i just hate hate english fans and i hate the mentality of some of it and mm. uh, the racism that came with it because i just i was almost upset watching that poor kid uh, take that last penalty i was just like that poor guy is going to have what gareth southgate had for so many years just that shame that he has to live with now and he's only fucking 19 years old it's just yeah. mm. unfair i felt so bad for him um and he's not. I've heard. I've read since and seen clips since that he's a really, really good player, and he plays for Arsenal yes. and stuff normally. And I'm just like, ah, oh, just you know, the first time lots of people will have seen him, and that's that's what they're going to remember. It's not fair. It's pretty yeah. savage giving him the last penalty to take. It is. It was a savage. very I mean, strange decision. Savage for all three of those guys who missed. Um, but yeah, just the way we deal with it afterwards as a country is just a bit horrendous sometimes. Agreed. Yeah. And we're so furious at England that we've got an American on the podcast this week. So for the first time in a long time, Mr. Tim Utley. How's it going, Ross? How's it going, everyone? Toby, Miles, good to meet you guys for the first time. Welcome, welcome. Hello. Appreciate, appreciate it. Um, yeah. Um, oh, go ahead, Ross. No, so, Tim, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I, I watched the game yesterday as well. Um, I'm not the most ardent supporter of of any particular nation but uh I, I was rooting for england and yeah it, it it was uh it was disappointing to see them lose but um to kind of echo toby and miles yeah it, it's you know you had uh rashford sancho um kind of subbed in to to do the pks and you, you have to feel for them right like these these guys were yeah. brought in as fresh legs and um you know they did their best and they were going up against a really experienced goalkeeper and um you know the result is the result and uh you know i i, I wanted england to win but you know that didn't end up happening so um you know they had a fantastic performance leading up to that and you know they should definitely be proud of that yeah absolutely it was a hell of a tournament I mean, we've never been in a final european competition so you know, that was just a wonderful thing in itself. Even beating Denmark last week was just amazing. So, you know, we can we can hold our heads up high, I think. And Rashford and Sancho and can all 
you know, be incredibly proud of themselves. And I hope that this bullshit stops very, very soon because nobody deserves that kind of vitriol spread at them when they're just representing their country, you know. And uh, yeah, it will come home one day, Tim. I promise. One day. I'll be like, Tim, you got to get, get back over here, man. We need to party. One day. But yes, we will carry on. I will cheer up, I promise. Hey, games, video games. All right. So there we go. See, I'm back in it. Roscoe's back. It's oh, fine. yeah. I thought this was a football podcast. Oh, sorry. Um, this is a Euro 2020 uh, retrospective <laughs> special. Um, I thought I didn't. Uh, did I tell you that? I can't remember if I told you or not. No, not me. Oh, okay. Oh, dear. Okay. So we'll get back to the uh, the first game. Uh, <laughs> no. Uh, Miles, what is your game of the week? Oh, this one was um, an interesting. I had a choice of two different ones, um, and I decided to go with Peaky Blinders Mastermind. I picked it up in a sale a couple of weeks ago, got it for under £10, and I actually really enjoyed it. It's quite short and sweet, but it's got quite a simple kind of concept in theory. Um, so the idea is it's kind of this uh, top-down kind of strategy game. You play as the characters from the actual show. It's got the license for the um, looks, but it doesn't have any of their dialogue or the actual voice actors, which is a bit of a shame. Um, and the idea is that you'll be in a level and you'll control, say, kind of two to five characters or six characters or whatever it is. And they'll each have their own kind of special ability. So someone will be able to kind of bribe guards. Someone will be able to kind of persuade people. Um, some people can you know, lock pick doors, all that kind of stuff. And you have to kind of time all of their actions in sequence with each other. So you can kind of rewind time at will. And you'll say, for example, take Tommy and you'll get him to persuade someone to open a door. And at the same time, you then need to move your other characters through the door. And you might need to use, say, Ada to distract a guard at the same time to get a character who otherwise would get spotted through. Um, it's a really kind of simple idea, but I think they execute it really well. And like I said, it's relatively short. Um, I kind of platinumed it within a day and I probably could have done it within probably less time than they did um there's kind of you have to go for kind of gold times um you have to collect there's a few little collectibles around each level um and i genuinely just found myself kind of getting quite engrossed in it especially the last couple of levels are really intricate and you'll have like five six characters that you'll be controlling at once all doing different stuff and they all kind of have to meet at particular points to kind of continue the mission forward um and i just quite liked its kind of escalation of difficulty it starts off relatively simple and straightforward um, and then it kind of builds into something where you do feel like you're this kind of criminal mastermind kind of overseeing your minions, kind of doing all these cool things. Um, so, yeah, I came out of the game pretty surprised. I didn't go into it with too much expectation, but I would actually quite recommend it. I think it's a fun little game and worth playing. Is it like um, Desperados or Commandos? Is it that style or is it more turn-based or more slow than that? I think it's um, uh, Desperados. Yeah, I think it's more Desperados type where... It's not kind of turn-based, but you kind of can only control one character at a time. So you'll kind of yeah. say, for example, if you pull a lever with that person, you'll then have to rewind time, use the other characters to move them through at the same time. Um, and yeah, it's not kind of turn-based, but the kind of NPCs that you're against or have to get past, they'll be like on set patrol routes and they'll have kind of very yeah. clear lines. It sounds, it sounds very similar. Just as you say, maybe there's a slight mechanical difference in, in how you control people, but yeah. I might be interested. I really love the Desperados, Commandos, and uh, uh, what do you call it? Shadow Tactics games. I think they're amazing. Yeah. yeah, I really want to get into the Desperados ones. They look really good. Um, but yeah, this one, it's worth taking a punt on, especially um, while it is under £10 as well. You know, it's not the longest game in the world, but then there's not much lost if you don't particularly like it. But if you like that kind of style of game, I think you'll you'll find something to like in this. Nice. Nice one. Yeah, uh, I know Sean's a big fan of it as well. He was uh, day one on it and um, he's a big fan of future lab so it was uh 
kind of a guaranteed it was going to enjoy it. But yeah, I'm glad it's uh, I'm glad it's I'm glad it's good. Yeah, well worth Definitely. a go, I think. Well worth cool. a go. Uh, Tobes, your game of the week. My game of the week has been 20 years in the making. So, oh god, it's coming home. <laughs> it's not quite that. No, <laughs> it's not 20 years of hurt. Um, it's so a uh, secret of manner. Okay, so um, a SNES RPG um, from 25 years ago or, or, or more. Um, I first played it or first tried to play it about 20 years ago, bought it a bunch of times since. I think I had it as an emulator the first time back in the day, then bought it on iOS. Uh, so I could play it on my phone. Again, didn't get very far. Brought it on the Wii Virtual Console. And I think then the most recent one is I've bought it on the Collection of Mana on Switch. But as I say, never completed it. All those times I've made, maybe got about two or three bosses in and found it really hard. The bosses, the sort of hitbox on your character is very, very temperamental and it's quite hard to play as a modern gamer. Um, you have to also let your stamina build up before you can then use your sword, which is a little bit soulsy for a game that old. Um, but those things I got through this time and I thought, you know, I buy this collection of mana, I'll actually properly try and complete it this time. So I've been playing that on and off for about a month and I've actually completed it. I've gone through 50 bosses this time and I've finished the entire game. It is hard as nails for the first four bosses. And then the thing that I never realized when I was playing it all these times before is that you get what's called a mana seed and then you can use magic. And once you can use magic on about the fourth or fifth boss, everything gets a whole lot simpler and a whole lot easier and you can grind the magic up to a nice high level and you can kick boss uh, kick bosses asses and had i known that back in the day i probably would have finished it 20 years ago but i didn't and i just thought if it's going to carry on like this i can't play this game um so yeah so i'm just really really pleased with myself i know we've had a terrible uh, weekend but my weekend uh, was finishing a game that i have tried to play and failed to finish for 20 years and finally found it, finally finishing it well, good for you. So I'm happy. Oh, great! Awesome. <laughs> no, that, no, that's awesome. I know you've been. I knew you were excited to play Secret of Mana. So that's um, yeah, that's great. Very well done, I, sir. I'm going to go on to the next one in the collection now, which is uh, Second Densetsu Three, or how it's now nowadays called Trials of Mana, which never got released back in its original retro pixel form in the US or Europe at all. So that'd be fun. Oh, cool. And uh, Tim Utley, what have you been playing this week or this year or this month? <laughs> yeah, so my uh, the last game that I, I played uh, in earnest was Call of Duty Modern Warfare from 2019. I played, uh, I played a bunch of Warzone. I played a bunch of just the kind of vanilla multiplayer online. But I, I love playing the Call of Duty campaigns. So I went back to the 2019 iteration um this past week and completed it and i i loved it you know it, it was it was a quick romp it was probably six or seven hours but um i'm i'm a huge kind of contemporary military movie fan and this this game ticked every box so it has flavors of like argo 13 hours zero dark 30 um has all those like really kind of epic and really intimate set pieces baked into the game, you know, as well as some, you know, the beginning of the game starts in Piccadilly, um, which is a place that I, you know, Ross, as you know, I, I visited in the last couple of years. So it was, it was cool to see some places that I've been, um, but also just like see nods to some 
you know, really kind of important, uh, you know, and, and, and kind of, I don't want to say celebrated, but um, uh, well-documented uh, encounters that, you know, the U.S. military has had in, you know, in just seeing it in video game form, it was really cool. Um, and then aside from that, I've just been doing some fun runs um, in Resident Evil 4 on GameCube, just kind of going through and just blowing through the game with the Chicago typewriter and the infinite launcher. <laughs> so that's kind of been uh, it's been my, my my gaming experience for the last uh, week or two. Cool. Yeah, but there's nothing, sometimes you just need to, you need a Call of Duty campaign and just to, just to blast through. I think the last one I did was... It's a palette cleanser. Absolutely. Uh, Black Ops Cold War, I think, was the last one I did. I think that was the most recent one as well. And uh, yeah, there's just nothing like it. It's nothing like it. Sometimes you just need six and a half hours of your life dedicated to blowing shit up. And there's nothing better to do that with than a Call of Duty campaign. So yeah, yeah, man, I'm right there with you. Yeah, it is fun sort of exploring uh, real life cities and video games. I remember playing Assassin's Creed Syndicate, I think, that was set in London. And it's obviously a very kind of Victorian London, but it was fun to explore, sort of going, oh man, I've been down this road. There's a McDonald's on this road now. And things like that. It's um it's kind of fun. And I found EGX resed when I was exploring Watch Dogs Legion. That was kind of strange. So it's um, it is it's fun to uh, explore kind of real life places in in video games for sure. Uh what have I been playing? I've really been playing a lot of Playlink. I've been going back to um playing more social stuff. I've had my partner around and so I've kind of been trying to slowly indoctrinate her into my ridiculously nerdy gaming world. And the the best thing to start off, to start that off is normally we'll get out your phone, download an app, and we'll play games like That's You and Knowledge is Power and things like that. And yeah, so a lot of my week has been playing Knowledge is Power and Knowledge is Power Decades, which just essentially just quiz games, which you can play via your phone that connects to your console. And you just have competitions and it's just like a, these little game shows and I always really loved Playlink, especially um, games like Erica, um, which is played exclusively on, the, on, on your uh, your phone, but it all plays out in front of you on your TV. And stuff like that is really cool. And I just hope that uh, it carries on into the PS5 era because uh, there doesn't seem to be many announced yet, but I hope that there's some coming. There is another one as well that I played a lot on PS4, but I cannot remember the name of it. Sean will know, but I can't remember. Damn it, hidden, hidden Agenda? Hidden Agenda. That's exactly what it was, Tim. Yes. Um, yeah, I played that a lot. I really enjoyed that. So I'm a big fan of these games. And so I hope that, you know, like I said, I hope that more come out. And Knowledge's Powers is it's just a lot of fun. It's uh, it's incredibly uh, cruel to some people. I can be, or my partner would be, five or 600 points ahead. And then there's this last level where it's a pyramid. You've got to answer questions to get further up the pyramid. The faster you answer, the further up the pyramid you go. And if even if you're 700 points ahead at that point, you can lose everything in devastating fashion. So you know it's it, it's fun to it's fun to play through that at the very end and just see how many real life arguments you can cause just by playing video games and just by knowing stuff. <laughs> and it's um those kind of stuff is is good fun. I've also been playing a lot of Fortnite because the Alien season is a lot of fun and. Yeah, really getting involved in the story and the lore, Tobes, you know, really getting sucked into it. So um, it's, uh, it's good. Oh, there's so much lore. Is it been? Oh, is it just so lore, lore that's come from the Aliens franchise? No, it's just lore. Can't be in the Fortnite franchise. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. 
Uh, right then, let's get into some news. Uh, there's no quiz this week, unfortunately, because Sean couldn't join us. Hopefully, uh, we can have another fastest finger on next week and see how well everyone does, because, my God, I need to up my game in these bloody things. Um, so, yeah, let's do Have I Got Barrels for You. Which open-world video game is due to get a live service very, very soon? Assassin's Creed. Assassin's Creed. Yes. I still sound depressed. <laughs> yeah. I'm not, well, I'm not overly keen on this news either. Assassin's so. Creed. <laughs> I will perk up, I promise. The next one's better. Uh, what's, your, uh, what's your beef for the Assassin's Creed as a life service, Miles? Uh, I don't know. I just I feel like the the way the direction of the series is taken. Like I'm a big fan of the like original Assassin's Creeds and the kind of original concept that they started with. So its direction the last few years hasn't really been to my liking, and I kind of burnt out a lot on Odyssey. And I just think they're just gonna the games are gonna keep being these massive, huge, sprawling worlds with some interesting stuff in them, but where you just have to play dozens of hours of mindless stuff in the background in order to get to it all. Um, and I just think it's probably going to introduce a lot of kind of other monetization stuff. I'm not really too sure on it, but there's also not really any detail about what it's going to look like or what it's going to involve as an actual project. So I guess I can't be too critical at this stage until we know more about it. But yeah, I just, I don't know. It gives me a bad feeling about it, if that makes sense. Mm. Yeah, there's there's kind of, there is, there's not an awful lot to go on, but there is talk that the upcoming Assassin's Creed is not one this year. So at the very latest, it will launch Um maybe late next year. Uh, Ubisoft have now acknowledged Assassin's Creed Infinity and detail more of how it will run and who will work on it. There's a big blog post that you can read that kind of goes into detail about it. And the blog post contains mentions of two teams that by two different creative directors. Clint Hocking, who made, who was a very important part of Splinter Cell, again, proving that Ubisoft don't care about Splinter Cell anymore because he's now making Assassin's Creed. And Watch Dogs Legion, who will lead a team at Ubisoft Montreal. And Jonathan Demont, a veteran of the Assassin's Creed Syndicate and Odyssey, will lead a team at Ubisoft Quebec. Uh, my, uh, Toby, what do you reckon of this news? I know you played a lot of Valhalla. Would you be up for a, a kind of a live service, ever-evolving version of Assassin's Creed? So it depends a little bit on how it looks when it is you know, properly announced. So I've I got similar sort of reticence as Miles does, I, I I don't like a live service model very often. I don't want sort of just, I don't want infinite Assassin's Creed with no story. Do you know what I mean? I don't want just boring stuff. Um, what I kind of want though is something that I hope where they're going with it creatively is something like this, right? So you've got, if you've got a live service model, they've talked about multiple settings and sort of, you know, multiple stories within the um, the same infinity franchise yeah so that sounds to me a little bit like a real version or like a gaming version of what's essentially part of the assassin's creed mythos already or law if you like um the animus machine right so the if infinity is a little bit like or at least i want it to be a little bit like um a an animus where you can go into infinity and you could pick from a number of different places, a number of different characters, and you could explore, you know, lots of these different things and you could buy them maybe as DLC or particular season passes like this season passes, you know, piracy in black flag, this particular season passes ancient Greece in Odyssey, you know, and they could probably bring back all of the old games and have them as places you could go with new, you know, with new characters that you create. But what I just hope they keep is 
that sort of individualized single player experience, like a like a proper beginning, middle and end to a story with a particular character. I think where where Assassin's Creed has been strongest is where it's got named characters like Ezio, like um, Eivor, like, those, you know, those particular characters, because you build the world around being that character. You don't, what I don't like is when it's really generic, when you've just got a sort of nameless hero or a hero you've created on a character select thing. So mm. that, that kind of thing I hope they keep. And yeah, I just, I think if it's an interconnected world like that, and, you know, you can still get those individual stories it could be really, really cool. It could be the next 10 years of Assassin's Creed games, but they're just all under that infinity, just like, funnily enough, Halo Infinite. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's going to be the next 10-year thing, but hopefully there's just lots of individual games within it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, that's what I want it to look like. If it doesn't, I might be quite disappointed. But, I mean, uh, you, yeah. you, can't, you can't have all the money there. I think the, the report stated the Assassin's Creed franchise was to be released via multiple games. Yeah. with their own teams and which might look and feel different but they will all be connected under that infinity brand and i get the i get the impression that like we've got with valhalla's dlc we've got like multiple pieces of storyline dlc there they'd all just be under the infinity um bracket and then you know the next year when the, whatever the next assassin's creed game is it's just still slots in under infinity you could probably still use your old characters you could, there's probably cross play and cross saves and all these kind of things that they're already doing um, that they can just now do all under the banner of Infinity. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Tim, where are you with the Assassin's Creed games these days? What do you make of this proposed live service idea that Ubisoft are speculating? I think it's interesting um, because I think for the for the longest time, we've seen a lot of companies try to kind of embody this live service model, like create uh, more of a platform as a service. Um, you know, there was a lot of speculation around uh, sports games like FIFA, Madden, um, NBA Live, Gran Turismo, Forza, trying to like just, we're going to create a client and then we're going to continuously update it. And when you see a game like uh, Assassin's Creed that has, you know, to Toby's earlier points, right, has such rich lore and rich characters that people really make associations with, um, how do you how do you turn that into a platform and continuously update it and and keep the player base invested in that ecosystem? Um, so I definitely think it's interesting, but um, it kind of feels somewhat analogous to what you know IO tried to do with the first two Hitman games, right? So it's like we're going to create kind of this episodic content. Granted, Agent Forty Seven was the focal point as the main character, but we're going to kind of release these different locales, these different mission objectives. I think it's going to be, you know, if they can do it, I think it's going to be very challenging because we haven't really seen a live service game, probably outside of Destiny, do it really well and keep an active and engaged audience for, you know, a significant amount of time. So I'm curious to see what they can do and, and how they can and how they can pull it off. <laughs> Fortnite. <laughs> yeah, I completely agree. Um, there's, there is. I think there is scope, like you said, in Assassin's Creed to do this kind of thing because it's, it's every game is set in a different area, and so for like the worldwide Assassin's Creed, because you know the assassins as a, as a you know as a, as a group are worldwide in the game's lore and the game's kind of narrative. So being able to kind of spread them apart and still have them 
under a cohesive brand makes sense. But um, yeah, I think time, time will tell on this one. I think it's going to be a, a while before we hear anything. But yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting. I think Valhalla and just, yeah, it got too big for me. It got to a point where I just couldn't play it anymore because there was just too, there was just too much stuff and I didn't even know where to begin. So it was, um, there was almost, there's, there's an argument to be made that, you know, the Assassin's Creed are getting overstuffed with content. And I think that is a bit of a worry because I, that happened with Odyssey as well. Um, people say to me that Valhalla is big in Odyssey, but I just don't believe it because I was able to kind of cruise through Odyssey with, you know, kind of reckless abandon and just have a, have a great time with it. Whereas Valhalla felt like more of a slog. I think maybe because I was really into uh, Cassandra's story. I really liked her as a character. And um, I'm not sure about Ivor. So I don't know. Maybe it, maybe it was that. But Valhalla felt like more of a slog for me than Odyssey did. And so I, I, would, I would pretty much agree with that. Hmm. I, yeah, I enjoyed the uh, Greek one a lot more. Yeah, yes, and I, I, I think I think I think some of the criticism around Odyssey and Valhalla were were its length, and I think you know Ubisoft kind of taking that criticism in earnest and saying, "All right, well, what if we take a step back and kind of parse this content out and kind of deliver it um, over a longer period of time?" Um, you know, I can, you know, they, they try to do that with the division as well. Right. So, you know, they, they, they've, they've dipped their toes into the live service model. And it, you know, like I said, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how it unfolds. Um, you know, when, when, when infinity launches, you know, obviously date TBD. Yeah. What was that um, division one, like heartland or something? Is that right? Heartland is going to, heartland is going to be, the... I can't remember if it is that. Yeah, Heartland. Yeah, Heartland's going to be their their free to play one. Um, but you know, with Division Two, they did it was like Warlords of New York. Oh right, yeah, which was their kind of. I remember. Uh, I actually wanted to play that because it reminded me a lot of uh, the movie The Raid. So I definitely want to check that out at some point. Mm, yeah, it's really hard. It's really, really <laughs> fucking hard. Uh, Sean and I attempted it, and we were just no, this this can't be done. I think everything just got too hard for me after the um, after the end game. Anything that was Division One or Two after the end game was too much. Mm. Yeah, it's really challenging the Division. It is, and um, I think I will try a Heartland because well, it's free, so why not? And I do like the story, the world of the Division, so that's definitely going to be something to to explore for sure. But yeah, Assassin's Creed. I want a modern Assassin's Creed. Is that weird? Yeah, it's Am I the only one wanted for a while. <laughs> I wanted it from like what was it? Assassin's Creed Three, I think I wanted one from. But now this could gonna get one. this could pave the way for that though. This could be their way of you know encompassing all of these old historical stories and new ones in in what's essentially probably Infinity as this as the modern framework. Yeah, yeah. Man- managing to actually bring an end to that story and have a modern one. Yeah. I mean, they can't keep going back, can they? Eventually, it'll just be Assassin's Creed Caveman. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't okay, think they need to go backwards anymore. I'd, I'd rather more of the Victorian ones, and you know that you know come a bit further, a bit closer to to home. Syndicate was brilliant. So yeah, Syndicate was severely underrated. I really yeah. enjoyed that. Yeah, Syndicate was good, and I think you guys raised a good point of actually, if they do, to its credit, if they do manage to pull this kind of live service, they could have like a a whole hub world that's kind of constant, and then they could just add yeah. smaller stories, and they could charge maybe less for them, and that would bring me back to the series because I'm kind of. I'm kind of over the 60 to 90 hour slogs through their campaign. So I think actually, like you said, Toby, if they can, you know, 
compartmentalize down some of the stories and actually release smaller packs or smaller stories, I think that'll actually be a benefit and bring some people back who've maybe left. Um, yeah. And then that way they kind of get the best of both worlds, I guess. I want another Ezio story, please. Another Ezio auditory story would be really nice. Yeah, his his trilogy was excellent. Damn it, Roger Craig Smith needs work. <laughs> Keep him <laughs> in get work, him back, damn it. people. Segi, <laughs> Segi, you saw the light. You saw the light and you were like, now we're going to get rid of Roger Craig Smith. And the whole of the Sonic fan base went, uh, I don't fucking think so. And Sega went, hey, Roger Craig Smith is back, guys. Aren't we awesome? <laughs> and then we're like, no. So, uh, yeah, need more Ezio. Ubisoft, make it happen. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, sorry, Tim, was I, I interrupted you. No, I was going to say, we should, we definitely should splice in uh, his interview intro from the last podcast. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. Years and years ago, uh, the voice of uh, Ezio, Mr. Roger Gray Smith, came on the podcast and we had a long old chat with him about um, Ezio Auditori. And he'd done a wonderful introduction for us as Ezio, which ended up being on every kind of like preceding podcast. And it was great. And uh, it was very, very, a very, very proud moment in our, in our history. And he's a, he's a, an awesome guy as well. And if you want to get really deep, when we relaunched Thumb Culture, I, I chatted with him about Ezio for an hour and a half. And it's amazing. So go and check that out as well. Which console has just got itself a shiny upgrade? Anyone, go on. The <laughs> Sega, Sega Nomad. The Sega Nomad <laughs> OLED edition is coming out soon. It's very exciting. Is it, I was going to say, is it really a shiny upgrade? It's, it's a bit of a <laughs> meh upgrade. Or like a copper upgrade. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, this is, of course, the, uh, the upgrade in inverted commas uh, for the Nintendo Switch. Um, after probably a year and a half of us going, Oh, 4K Switch. It's going to be awesome. I'm going to play 4K games on my Switch. I'm going to take it away. I'm going to sit down in the park and play 4K games on my Nintendo Switch without the cloud. It's going to be amazing. And they went, here's a bigger screen. And we're like, oh, okay, well, thanks very much, Nintendo. That sounds uh, awesome. By the way, it's £40 less than a PS5. <laughs> like, oh, that's an interesting choice. So yeah, the OLED Switch due out in October. It has a 7-inch OLED screen, 64 gigabytes of internal storage, which of course can be still expanded. And a LAN Ethernet connector on the back of the dock. Toby Anderson, <laughs> what do you think? I think uh, it's it's barely even a bigger screen. It's gone from 6.2 to 7 inches, which is just a massive upgrade in my book. Uh, that's enormous and so, so noticeable. I will, that's what every girl has I ever told me. Not every notice. inch counts. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's Such a massive say. upgrade there. Um, <laughs> it's not 4K. It's not got an increased processor. It won't play your games better. There's no frame rate increases. There's no Joy-Con drift fix, uh, which is criminal. And yeah, this is a kind of pointless... I, I can't work out who it's aimed at, apart from newbies. I can't see why anyone who owns a Switch would bother buying another Switch, just for 0.8 of an inch, uh, however much you think size matters. <laughs> uh, just very hard to justify. Yeah, it, it's a it's a strange, a strange upgrade. It's a very middle, like it's not a pro, is it? It's not anything. It's just it's Nintendo Switch OLED edition. Great, thanks for that. I hope there is a pro still on the way. Yeah, I mean, Game Spots, I think it was, or was it Game Industry? They seem pretty convinced that there is another Switch down the road. Incoming. This is kind of a an, an kind of an intermediate upgrade. Um, so we've got a switch. We now have a switch with a smaller screen with the lights. 
and now I switch to the bigger screen, but they're all just as powerful as each other. It's so, pretty pointless. Are they upgrades? Who really knows? Uh, Tim, what did you make of the, the new OLED switch? So I, I did a little bit of research before today's episode, and I mean, this is pretty par for the course for Nintendo. Um, the Switch OLED model kind of strikes me as, you know, it, it's nothing crazy, but it seems a little more artisanal, right? So I don't know if this is necessarily directed at new Switch buyers or people who currently have Switches who want kind of a mild glow up. So I kind of went back into the annals of Nintendo history and I looked at the 3DS. There was six iterations of the 3DS, four 3DS proper, or sorry, four 3DS pop proper, two TDS, 2DS proper. Um, and then the Game Boy Advance had the original model, and then they had the SP, and then they had the SP with the backlight. So they make these kind of marginal improvements in their hardware. I think for the for the pure fact that they don't want to marginalize anyone who currently owns their existing hardware, um, which leads me to believe that the existing Switch model, not the Switch Lite, is going to get phased out at some point, and, and this new OLED model is going to be kind of the, the main standard. And then the Switch Pro, um, if I had to speculate, would probably be some somewhere in 2022, 2023. Um, but yeah, it's not for me. I mean, I have a Switch. I love it. Uh, I don't use it a ton, but I think for the people who want to have the latest and greatest, in, in terms of Nintendo hardware, are going to buy this. The price is mm-hmm. a little ridiculous, considering, like you said, Ross, it's it's fifty dollars or fifty pounds less than a PS4, and it's fifty dollars more than an Xbox uh, Series S. Is a little ridiculous, um, but I definitely think there's an audience for this, and um, I don't know how well it's going to sell, but I mean. People are going to buy it. People are going to double down, mm. triple down. Yeah, um, it's got a um, it's got a better stand as well. Sorry, I forgot to mention that. It's got a wider stand. Oh, I'm sold one. now. There you go. There you go. See, that's all it needed. That's all it needed. Another yeah. stand. Yeah, better. A, a better stand. Come on. It's got, a, it's got a LAN port. My you know my Dreamcast or my Xbox original didn't have that. You know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, I mean, I like the color. The white is really nice. Yeah, that might actually be the only positive thing I can think of of it. It does look quite nice. It's a very pretty looking thing. Um, and the dock is a little more curved this time around. So that looks quite nice. Uh, Miles, what did you make of the Switch OLED? Switch OLEDs. I don't know how they're even going to name it, to be honest. Um, oh, Nintendo Switch OLED model is what they're going with. Oh, really rolls off the tongue, that does. Doesn't it just? <laughs> um, yeah, I've... It was kind of funny kind of following all of this because um, I was watching a video on this earlier and they were saying how all of the news outlets were kind of really jumping on the hype bandwagon and kind of really throwing out all the ideas of what this new and improved switch was going to have like 4k and improved frame rates. It was going to be a massive jump in power and all this kind of stuff. And then as soon as they announced it was just a bigger screen and an improved stand, I guess as well. Um, they all then wrote articles about how the Nintendo Switch doesn't need any of those features, which they were all peddling. And I found that really interesting of like the kind of hype culture that Nintendo just kind of manages to always kind of really kind of whip up for any of their kind of releases when they're kind of building up to something. 
I think as um, I'm not someone who owns a Switch, but I've kind of been really intrigued by it. And I think now that its repertoire of games is getting bigger and bigger, I'm, I'm, again, we've kind of talked about, you know, needing to transition, maybe get an Xbox or get a Switch as well. But I just think if I was looking at these two consoles and you kind of put them, you know, in a shop window right in front of me, I'm always going to look at what I'm going to get for the kind of value of the extra money I'm paying for that console. And if you said to me there is 0.8 of an inch different or whatever it is between these two consoles and it has a slightly better stand, well, I'm not going to consider that worth an extra 50 quid. And I'm just going to be likely to go with the original model anyway. And I think that's kind of the problem is that if they're trying to sell this to, to new people who haven't got a Switch already, I don't think the value of investment difference of where they priced it is actually very good. Um, so I think I'd just be inclined to get an original Switch for a little bit cheaper and quite happily just play what everybody else has been playing for years anyway. Um, and I don't think it makes that much of a difference. So, yeah, I think from Nintendo's perspective, I think like it was quite interesting what you were talking about, Tim, about, you know, Nintendo's history and how they've kind of done this with previous um, kind of things that they've released. Um, it's obviously a market trend that they have noticed does work, but I just don't think given all the hype about it, I think they've ended up disappointing people and I can't, like you said, anyone who owns a Switch already, I can't see why they would want to reinvest another £300 or whatever it is to get another one for a slightly bigger screen. And for newcomers, I just don't see why you would pay the extra money when the original will serve you just fine. Although the new one does look nice. I would agree with you guys on that. It does look very nice. Mm. I mean, I kind of want one. I mean, I don't currently own a Switch, so I'm looking at it going, hmm, that does look pretty. But at the same time, I also want a series Xbox, so... I would rather put my money towards that, but the Switch is a fantastic console, and it's um, it will probably outlive all of us the way it's going at the moment. What is interesting is that the Switch Lite is currently the best-selling model between the two. Um, granted, there's a massive price difference. I think it's I think it's even a hundred pounds here in the UK, um, and so the Lite I think is the one that's going to live on, and I think the original is probably going to be phased out over time in the same way that Nintendo did it for their 3DS series. So. Yeah, I think 310 or 310 pounds and 350 dollars is probably about the um about the standard of what we would expect to pay for a switch moving forward. Um if you do want all the bells and whistles and want to be able to connect to your telly and things like that. Um which obviously you can't do with the uh, the switch light. Uh right then. Um which CD Project Red game is getting DLC based off a Netflix series? The Witcher. The Witcher. The Witcher 3 had a um, a bit of a uh, an upgrade announcement uh, this week with the Witcher Con thing that was on. Um, there wasn't a massive amount of information in regards to the game. Uh, there was a lot of series. Netflix is getting an animated Witcher series. Season 2 of the Witcher series is coming in December. Um, but yeah, we got some uh, announcement that The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt is getting new DLC based on The Witcher TV series. And um, it all sounds pretty cool. Um, CD Projekt have made the announcement in a tweet. Um, I'll read from Eurogamer. Um, due out on PC, PS5, and Xbox Series X at some point this year. The update is free to all who own the game, um, which is talking about the next-gen update. And the DLC is also available for every version of the game, including PS4, Xbox One, Nintendo Switch. Um, they didn't go into a huge lot of detail, but um, we know this. We don't know the scope of the DLC, but it doesn't sound like it will involve any new areas or quests. Um, the Witcher 3 has updated the cover art, and so... There's every chance that Geralt is going to look a little bit more like Henry Cavill than he did before. Um, and it would include extra items inspired by the Netflix series. So that should be interesting. Uh, Toby, 
Is this enough for you to jump back into The Witcher 3 to kind of see how it ties into the series? So I, I don't think it's going to tie in as such. I think it's going to be, it, it mentions items, as you said, no quests or storyline stuff. So it's not going to tie in with how they've, you know, how they've rejigged The Witcher for the Netflix series. Um, I imagine it's a skin for Geralt so that he looks like Henry Cavill, like you say, a few random items and such so that people look like they do in the Netflix series or or at least closer to what they do in the Netflix series. Although you can, they may not have the rights to, you know, people's likenesses and such. Um, we, we already saw with the Avengers how, how you know, they often don't have the licenses for these kind of things. But um, yeah, it's not going to persuade me to try a game that already took me upwards of 120 hours to complete. I'm not going back. I've, I'm done. I'm done with that game now. Yeah. Um, but uh, if I hadn't played it. If there was, if there are a few people out there who've not played and completed Wild Hunt, um, then yeah, I mean, they like the Netflix series and and the the, uh, the the new trailer for series two looks great. So um, if they like the series, then I, I can imagine if I hadn't played it, I would be like, well, yeah, I'll play as the Henry Cavill version of of uh, Geralt. That would be fun. Yeah. Um, Tim, did you watch The Witcher? Would you go and? Jump back into the Witcher Week Three Wild Hunt to check out this new content. Uh yeah, I, I watched season one of The Witcher and I really enjoyed it. And I, I think what what the show has been able to do um, for the game and, and just kind of bringing more awareness to the series in general. Um, I think this content is kind of pandering to to those folks. Um, so um, I don't think it's necessarily going to get me to go back and play Witcher Three any more than I played it originally. I, I played it for probably two or three hours, admittedly. Um, but I, I, I do think it's, it's, it's good fan service. And um, like Toby said, it, it's, you know, it's going to be purely cosmetic. They're going to have a few items that are going to really kind of rile up the, the Netflix audience. And those people are going to come back and, and play the game more. Um, probably in, in anticipation of, you know, of a next Witcher game that will probably come out in, you know, 2030. Yeah, I think if anyone needs some goodwill right now, it's probably CD Projekt Red. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's for sure. So, um, so yeah, this is uh, obviously uh, fan-baiting a little bit. Uh, Miles, what do you reckon to this? Yeah, I think this is nice. Um, I think, like you just kind of mentioned there, I think it is CDPR trying to get a little bit of goodwill back on their side um, by just doing those kind of nice little things. Um I don't really know if it'll entice me back into the game again. I still need to go back and play Blood and Wine, though, so it might be a good enough reason to maybe throw me back into that one. Um, but yeah, I think it's a nice touch, and it's cool that they are kind of tying them a little bit together. I don't think it's going to be anything significant. I think it will just be outfits for, you know, Siri, Yennefer, Geralt, etc. Um, I thought his face looked a little bit odd in the new screenshot that they showed. Like, it looks fine. I'm sure I'll get used to it, and it's probably just because it's new. But I kind of looked, and I was like, oh, that looks different. Um so yeah, but I think it's a nice idea, and at least they're you know still kind of supporting that game, um, which has obviously made them really successful. But yeah, I think like Tim's mentioned, it's just kind of whipping up the fan base, and the kind of people who love The Witcher Three will go back and replay it regardless. You know, they probably still replay it at least once a year. I think I read some people still do. Um, so at least it's something nice for them to be able to go back to and kind of play around with. But yeah, there's nothing really significant. I don't think out of it. Yeah, you know that thing where you go where you read Harry Potter and then you watch the films and you're like, they don't look like I think they look like in the book. That's it. <laughs> that, that's going to happen 
all over this, but it was kind of backwards. So I watched the series and thought, well, that's not how Yennefer looks, you know, and that, and series the wrong age and all these kind of things that as I was watching the series, but now people are going to be, they're going to have watched the series and not have played the game. So they, you know, or at least there'll be some people and they'll go back to the game and think, think that that Geralt is the wrong Geralt. He doesn't look like Henry Cavill. And I'm like, yeah, no, this is the right Geralt. <laughs> Henry Cavill is the wrong one. Do you see what I mean? It, it, it seems very sort of, um, it's funny when you're, you're in on something way before it got, um, well, it was already bloody popular, like, you know, Game of the Year editions all over the place, but it was only for a particular subsection. So now it's, you know, all of the Netflix audience as well. You feel like you're in, you're on board earlier and now it's like, no, oh, they're ruining my characters. You know? <laughs> I mean, I haven't played The Witcher yet. And so my first... Can be one of, of those newbies. Yeah, one of my first experience of it was the series. So... I'm describing it, you. Yeah, you are. It, I had no kind of uh, emotional or physical connection to the game in any way. So I enjoyed the series a lot. And I like, I love the characters, uh, particularly Yennefer. I thought her story was awesome. So it's, um, you know, there's a lot of coolness uh, that can come from this. But I just, uh, I don't know. I don't think I've got the patience to play games, especially. 120 hours now. minimum. Yeah, fuck that. I promise you. It can fuck take a lot that. longer. <laughs> no. I think mine was about 80 hours-ish, and that included Hearts of Stone. So you can go through a little bit quicker, I think. I tried to do as minimum amount of quests as I could and just focus on the story. Still took me over a hundred. So. <laughs> no, I did. I did. A I, but I did, but that, that didn't. That did, did include both DLCs. So if you've not done yeah. Blood and Wine, maybe Blood that's and the extra. Like, I think Blood and Wine's about twenty, thirty hours. Yeah, probably on twenty. Own. It's on its own. Yeah. Yeah, that makes that probably sounds about right. When I went, I, I took it back to game in the UK and uh, you know traded it in for something else. And uh, the guy said, did you complete it, first of all? And I was like, yeah. And he goes, how long? And he, I said, 120 hours. And he's like, oh, man, that's fast. <laughs> so you're not saying 80. <laughs> and, and he said, I said, I must have plugged in like 250 at this point. I still haven't finished it. And I was like, Jesus, Jesus Christ. What, what are you doing with your time in the game? Like, <laughs> there is a lot to it. But if you do the actual content, uh, you know, you can get through it. Well, not quickly. But I actually got so obsessed with Gwen. I downloaded the free-to-play Gwent game they made. And I platinum that as well. And it's one of my, like, rarest platinums. And I got so addicted to it. I made loads of different decks and all sorts. Do you know what? Maybe maybe why I went for it relatively fast was I played very little Gwent. <laughs> Gwent's the best part of the game, man. No, I didn't the Witch like is Gwent the side much. game. Gwent's the real game. <laughs> I would have bought the Gwent game on its own, you know, had I wanted to play a relatively boring card game. Oh. Mm. Wait, there <laughs> was a pla- there was a platinum on that Gwent release. Yeah. Fucking hell. Yeah, and it was hard to get as well. You had to do like an arena mode where you would like build a deck. Um, so it would give you like a set of cards you pick one card and then it keeps doing it until you build a deck and then you have to play against other people and you're allowed three losses and once you lose three times you have to start the arena again and you had to get to i think you had to win like seven battles out of nine um which was really hard because there were some sick people in there and it was totally rng on what deck you got um yeah it was i ended up spending i can't remember what my total count was but dozens of hours I ended up putting just into that gwent game and then i bought Thronebreaker as well which was based on the gwent game and turned into a proper game it was mad giant fucking nerd honestly like God, honestly what, a nerd. what even happened to me man oh he used to be so cool man did i though <laughs> i don't know i've only known you for a few months i have no idea but <laughs> i was not i can tell you now i was not <laughs> uh right then i'm gonna throw this one in just for fun um it's not on the uh, itinerary i do apologize but which final fantasy game is getting a cookbook 
Oh my god, I don't know. Fifteen. Have to be fifteen, oh, surely. Tim, you're so close. Forty? Oh, it would make sense if it was fifteen. There's so many recipes in that. Yeah, Miles, I was gonna say. Miles is on the money. Final Fantasy fourteen is getting oh. a cookbook. Fourteen's far more popular these days. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, they missed a trick on fifteen. What was the guy? Yeah. What was it? The guy always said, "I've come up with a new recipe." <laughs> <laughs> it was it igneous? Is that yeah, <laughs> or something like igneous? Anyway, close yeah. to that. A recipe oh. book based upon the culinary experiences found in Final Fantasy fourteen is expected to go on sale the 9th of November. Um, it's not been officially confirmed yet by Square Enix, but the rumors are. That it's going to be due very soon. Taking us on a culinary adventure through one of gaming's most beloved franchises, the book will offer stunning photography and step-by-step instructions to help Final Fantasy XIV fans recreate some of the game's most iconic dishes. 192 pages and over 70 recipes. It also includes a forward from director and producer, Daiyuki Yoshida, and is expected to retail for about $35, around about £25. So, uh, Toby Anderson, are you going to... I know you like to cook. Are you going to get in... Are you going to get deep into this? I'm trying to think what would be in it. I mean, I've not played a lot of Final Fantasy XIV. It is one of the ones I intend to keep going back to every time they bring out a new piece of DLC. Um, the All I can think of is like how to cook like a potion or how to concoct you know, a, a health potion or something, um, which might not taste very good. They don't look like they would taste very good, like bright green monster drink or something. Um, I can't think of what else it would be apart from, like you say, like like Miles um, said, all the sort of igneous recipes from Final Fantasy uh, 15 instead. But yeah, I mean, if there's fun, if there's stuff in there like you know little Moogle cupcakes or you know uh, chocobo, I don't know chocobo escalops or something, just it, it could be ridiculous shit like that. And you're just like, well, these are just normal recipes, aren't they? Really, but you've just added the word chocobo on the end or the beginning. <laughs> Um, it's really just chicken. Um, even it, you know, it's just a massive walking chicken. <laughs> um, and yeah, it could be things like that. In which case, it's probably probably a bit lame. Um, but chocobo, um, chicken and chips. Yeah, chocobo. Uh, yeah, exactly. There could be just so many random bits of chicken that you just replace the word chicken with chocobo. So um, I've got a kind of there's a very basic idea. We've got start your day with a farmer's breakfast, a very famous and simple yet delightful dish. Save the night's bread of Korthas. Korthas. <laughs> so that's bread, right? Dive into <laughs> dive into Lanuskia's Rollenberry Cheesecake. Oh, God. Say, so they, it's just cheesecake, right? Yeah, that's the, the cheesecake. This is, it, it, if, you know, in the Lord, there, there was one that was like Lord of the Rings um, cookbook, right? And it actually had something really interesting. It was how to make Lembus bread, right? And I was like, oh, yeah, that's cool. So that's actually flatbread wrapped around like, you know stuff and i thought that was really interesting um but the majority of the rest of these things are like like you're just reading out it's just it's just chicken but something else. But it just said something else it was just cheesecake but it's you know tom i'm gonna wreck my final fancy knowledge but like um it's tonbury cheesecake you know or and you have to cut it with a knife once you've only got one shot i don't know but it, it's yeah gimmicky mm. to, to say the least it reminds me of the destiny cookbook <laughs> which there is such there a, was a destiny oh, yeah. cookbook oh you hell yeah no no there's no eating or cooking in that game it's a lovely trip what? around the universe that a lot of people really enjoy spending time in you know it has in-world mini essays and limes just as lemons can be so difficult to find around the tower and things like that and sometimes the traveler reminds me of a big marshmallow i've heard at least that it smells faintly of vanilla on the inside that's canon now deal with it and fun things like that that's what it says in the cookbook Wow. And uh, yeah, it's glorious. So yeah, I know what I'm getting Toby for Christmas. 
Odin's Toblerone. Yeah, thanks, Tim. That's uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, that's a good one. Uh, Tim, how, how's your cooking come along in lockdown? Or do you want to uh, get yourself uh, hyped up with Final Fantasy fourteen cooking? I <laughs> uh, don't know a lot about Final Fantasy fourteen, but yeah, no, cooking has been a uh, a big mainstay. So just doing a lot of stuff uh, with the uh, Instapot. I actually made potato chips yesterday for the first time, so I was pretty proud of myself. Nice. So that was that was pretty cool. But other than that, yeah, just a lot of grilling outside and nothing, uh, nothing too exciting. Pretty standard stuff. It must be nice to be able to cook outside. We don't know what that's like. <laughs> <laughs> we have no idea, but uh, cool. Oh, I thought I'd try that. I thought it was quite fun. And finally, um, <laughs> uh, why did Sony pull their recent advert commercial? Sorry, Tim. I apologize. Previously, because the system was upside down. Yep. In an official Sony advert, the PlayStation Five was upside down, and now it's been quietly deleted from the internet forever it wasn't and ever. Even the first time it happened, was it? I swear this had happened before with one of like the Sony people like higher ups had like posted something on Twitter and theirs have been upside down as well. Yeah. I mean the ad is kind of weird. I mean it's very heartwarming. It begins with a dad telling his son a bedtime story. Um thinking of his current God of War playthrough. And yeah, they start talking about how they went on for like an adventure in the mountains. And he comes and turns the comes down to play God of War, but on a PS5 which is upside down. And so that makes me think, did he put the game in upside down as well? This, this is the kind of thing which completely reveals the actors and directors of big companies and directors of adverts are not gamers. And they have no fucking clue about the console that they're advertising. So someone in the props department just put that over there. The actor didn't know what he was doing either. You know, none of them are gamers, clearly, because you would know you would know not to do it. You don't even have to you don't even have to know what a PS5 really looks like. If you're a gamer, you'd know that the disc has to go a certain way around. Yeah. It just happens all the time, doesn't it, in TV and movies. You know, just see two people with controllers and the controllers oh. aren't even on. Yeah. They're, they're I, the I wrong the ones for the have, console. And they're always turning the controller like ridiculously. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm playing a driving game, so I have to do all of this ridiculous gesticulation. I'm like, no, no, no one does that while playing games. I really loved there was a, I think it was a movie or a show I was watching and there were two people playing the game and they also had the screen on at the same time. So you could also see the screen that they were supposed to be playing on and the game was just on pause, but they're both mashing buttons like maniacally, like <laughs> laughing along, saying all these cool things they're doing. I'm like, the game's on pause. Like, it's quite clear you're not playing the game. Yeah, it happens all the time. It's it's something I'll always notice whenever they're, whenever they're playing games or something on a, on a television show or a movie. It's the first thing I pick up on. Like, ah. This ingenuous game, you know, oh, acting. Uh, yeah, it just, oh, it just it just irritates me, and it's uh, it's something that you know they would have. How many you know advertising? Advertising? That's not a word. Advertising <laughs> for these companies is so so important. How did no one at Sony who make the console before this advert went out notice that? That again makes me think that the higher ups at Sony are actually not really gamers. Yeah, they don't actually have a clue how their console actually works. It's they're just, they're just there, there to make money yeah, cool. and direct a company. Are they hiring third-party people to do their adverts for them, or, or what? Very likely. Yeah, and that, well, that that's the only explanation, surely. Sorry, Tim. No, I was going to say, that, that's very surprising, because historically, Sony PR is very well-connected with any type of, whether it's... Um, 
paid promotion or advertisement, like they're very well connected to how everything is either communicated about their brand or games um, or first party studios that they would let someone like this kind of slip through. So yeah. that's, that's what makes it even more, a little more confounding is like, <laughs> like you, yeah. you basically, you, you manicure every single script that your teams can talk about externally, but you produce a advertisement where your system is inverted. So I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I, just, I, just, I think that makes it a little more comical. I mean, in this advert, he's currently mashing buttons uh, whilst a God of War cutscene is playing. <laughs> so maybe back in the original God of Wars, it was a quick time event that he's mashing buttons for, but not in a modern God of War. Maybe, maybe he's trying to skip the cutscene really desperately. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it was uh, it was Herman Holst. He, he he, the head of PlayStation Studios, had his PS5 upside down in a that video that he posted it. on Twitter. That was it. How? Ridiculous, honestly. He would have taken that home. (laughs) Even in the instructions, it clearly tells you which way to put it. It makes a thing of being like, you have to put it this way and that the disk drive has to be at the bottom. I bet bet it wasn't even in his house, right? And some (laughs) continuity person, some props person just flung it there really fast. It it shows you need good continuity. You need someone who knows what they're talking about because they would have done it right. It, it it just means he doesn't have a PS5, or at least he doesn't have it there in his in whatever set or house they were using. <laughs> Card just been flung there by someone. Yeah, yeah. Can you imagine the head of the PlayStation Studios like oh, I don't play video games. I ain't got fucking time for that. It's yeah, I don't not surprising. Is that, I would not be surprised. Yeah. Oh man, that's funny. Next, they'll um, be saying that Doug Bowser isn't actually uh, Mario's enemy. <laughs> that's no, that's just absurd. You know that much. Clearly, good it. lord. Yeah, absolutely. Um, right then, let's go into our favorite things. And as we're kind of in the middle of July, it's kind of in, in the middle of the year ish. Um, so let's uh, talk our game of the year kind of so far. Uh, so, Miles, what have you gone for in your favorite game of the year thus far? I kind of am denied between two. I actually haven't played many of the games that have come out this year. I've been catching up on a lot of games from previous years. Um, but there were two that have stood out for me. The first was Near Replicant, but we've spoken about that quite at length before, um, especially Toby. Um, so I decided not to go for that one. And I decided to go for Chivalry 2 instead. Um, that absolutely mayhem-inducing, adrenaline-fueled, medieval combat game, which is just absolutely nuts, but which I just had such a blast playing. Um, it's not a game that you go into looking for a deep story. You don't go into it for the best graphics you can find. It's a game that you go into to just have an absolute laugh. Um, you know, it doesn't matter about your KD. It doesn't matter how you perform. doesn't matter whether you accidentally kill an ally or an enemy. It's all just about having fun. And compared to a lot of games that I've been playing over the last kind of year or two, it was just such a refreshing game to go into, to just get on a catapult and fling a giant boulder at people and kill... I think when we talked about it on the pod, I killed like nine people on the enemy side and killed like four of my own team as well. And it's just it's just great. And there's just so much variety in the weapons you can use between like great swords and axes and bows and crossbows and javelins and all sorts of stuff. And I just... Those kind of really organic moments where the game just really thrives when you just go balls to the wall and just go a little bit stupid with it you know you pick up a skull on the ground and just throw it into a crowd of people and it happens to smash someone straight in the head and they die or you know you fire an arrow from you know 100 meters away and somehow it manages to smack someone just as they're on like their death knell um it just really captures that sense of when a video game is just fun and yeah for that i just couldn't really look past it i compared it to all the other games i've played this year and none of them just 
had me laughing and having such a good time as Chivalry 2 did. So yeah, I'm going for that one. Nice. It's, uh, yeah, sitting on my PS5, still waiting to be played. I'll oh, well, get we, to it. We need to book you in to play it. I'll, uh, I'll show you the ropes. I'll fire you from a catapult. Yeah! That's all I really want. Yeah, it's got to happen. <laughs> it's got to be done. That's all I've ever wanted. Uh, Toby Anderson, your game of the year. Uh, so mine's really recent as well, same as um, same as Miles. So um, I've been going through, well, not played all that many games of the, uh, sorry, games that have come out this year yet, because I keep waiting for them to go down in price. Um, but the ones that have done, um, Scarlet Nexus is probably the one that has um, sort of, it sort of ticked the boxes the most for me. Um, there's a, a really fun, completely mental storyline in there featuring every science fiction cliche you can possibly think of from, you know, every anime cliche and all of every time travel cliche and a whole bunch of ridiculous brain eating monsters all at the same time. Um, and by doing so, and by doing it all so endearingly and um, with such in-depth character work, um, it was just more than I could ask for. It was really, really fun. And I'm still still going for the platinum now, going through my second playthrough. Um, it's a lot of fun. It's got fantastic combat. That that sort of really visceral, psychokinetic superpowers combat is like nothing any JRPG has ever really been. So it's really new and interesting in a JRPG to do to to, to have real time battles is is known, but to have that kind of visceral feel to it and and have it just full of finishing moves and and fun stuff. To, it makes it very Devil May Cry almost. Um, an interesting world, a, a good sci fi story. It's a bit like that. Um, 13 Sentinels one from last year that I really liked that was um, Vanillaware. It's just that really, really in-depth for 30 hours of just incredibly in-depth science fiction. And just I just really live for those kind of stories and those kind of gameplay experiences. So, um, yeah, if it's if it's got the the story experience, that's what makes that's what puts a game on the, you know, on the contender list. And if it also manages to have satisfying combat and gameplay and, and and interesting sort of ideas in there as well and great characters um then yeah totally scarlet nexus has, has ticked all those boxes and i'm sure will still be on my consideration you know my sort of handful of considerations for the end of the year that was like fortnite all those yeah you know, uh, just great, like fortnite great law great characters yeah scarlet fortnite everything that combat. you love about fortnite <laughs> they're basically the same game <laughs> pretty much pretty much uh tim this is going to be tough but <laughs> yeah 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 I, I haven't yeah I, I, so personally I, I haven't played anything new uh this year uh but i've um i've had a few friends show me a couple games so two that really stick out to me uh resident evil village um is is up there mm-hmm. um I'm, I'm really excited to play that when i get a chance and then uh ratchet and clank uh drift apart um yeah. those are those are the two games that are kind of you know albeit not playing them are kind of my front runners i just think resident evil village um seems like a really great spiritual successor to resident evil 4 which is a game that's really near and dear to my heart and then mm-hmm. uh ratchet and clank drift apart uh seems seems to be like the really like that technical showcase for the ps5 um that i'm really excited to play um when i get a yeah. chance to, to try it out but those are those are my two for right now yeah i mean that's fine i mean 
I mean, Kat said it last week. I mean, playing and watching a game is basically the same thing nowadays. So, you know, you're fine. Totes. <laughs> Totes. Totes. Uh, talking of Kat, um, yeah, uh, we also got our uh, some quick messages from everyone else who couldn't make the, pa- the uh, podcast tonight. Uh, Kat's also said Ratchet and Clank. Um, I will I'll try and do what she said in her in her voice. Um, can you throw, I, in, a, can I, you throw in a really good metaphor as well? Yeah, yeah. that's uh, been a metaphor. Uh, you haven't done it. I haven't got time for that. And an exaggeration, a massive exaggeration. Although she did be like a million times better than Kat. She did use the word exemplary. And I know that if she was on the podcast, she couldn't say that in like first time. <laughs> like, there's exem- exemplary, 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 exemplary. That's the one. Yeah. A million, yeah, yeah. billion times, yes. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I've been poorly. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's an exemplary introduction of what the PS5 is capable of. Graphic-wise, haptic feedback-wise, stunning gameplay, great story, smooth like butter, and just so, so, so much fun. So, yeah. <laughs> you went a little bit Peaky Blinders. Yeah. Smooth like butter. Yeah. So. She'll hate it, but yeah. Oh, yeah, she will. She'll hate me completely. Uh, but it's a... Can what you do an impression do? of Greg and Sean next? I can't do Greg uh, because I don't know. I've tried to do Greg before, and he he doesn't find it funny. Because <laughs> one one because it's Greg. Secondly, he's it's a sourpuss. Like, yeah, it's just it's just not that good. And I can't do Sean's accent. Sean's accent's ridiculous. It's hard to do. Uh, but Greg said Returnal, and he said it may be hard and unfair, but it's impressive to see a AAA roguelike that takes such a stage on a new console. And Sean went for Chicory. And he said, an artistic gem that explores the ebb and flow of mental health and packages it up in a loving colouring book. It's a unique concept with a phenomenal story. So, yeah, we've got a nice mixture of stuff. Um, I think mine personally would be, I think, well, I don't know. I, I argued this the other week about whether or not it's actually, it could be considered for a game of the year. But just the Pirates of the Caribbean stuff for Sea of Thieves is just fantastic. And I had such a good time playing through that. And so that's my favourite thing I've played this year so far for sure. Um, even if it is just like free content in this ever-evolving live service game, but it was so much fun. And I think Rare absolutely smashed it out of the park. And I think that they deserve huge plaudits for what they what they made there. And it was a wonderful reminder, as if it were needed, that Rare, when they have a story and when they have kind of unlimited scope, they can just create something really, really, truly amazing. And that's exactly what a pirate's life is. And it deserves to be played by everyone because it was so much fun well worth jumping into me thinks mm, fair play awesome i, th- I think honest. we should give it to you we'll let you thanks have it. Uh, i can't do a eddie hall impression to him i'm afraid i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> figured i'd throw out another stoke native yeah it's worth a go i know but uh yeah i need to work on it uh but yeah i think i think i've nailed uh cat's voice to be honest you've absolutely smashed it yeah and the absolutely. fact that she will definitely hate you for it is a good sign you've absolutely <laughs> nailed it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know like a million times over. So it's great. <laughs> a billion times. <laughs> a billion times over. Um, right then. Let's go into our recommendations, uh, which is where we've seen something throughout the week, whether it be a video game, movie, TV game, TV, comic, a chocolate that we liked. And we'll recommend it to you, the audience, to go and check out this week if you have nothing else to do. So, I'm going to start with Miles. What is your recommendation for the week? I just realized I kind of got my games the wrong way around, so I should have done Peaky Blinders for this part of the pod. So, I'm going to say the other game, but it's not going to necessarily be my recommendation. Um, so, I've played Despotism. Oh, 
Is that how you pronounce it properly? And despotism? Oh, I don't even know. I think it's yeah. Despotism. I think it's despotism. Yeah. yeah. I'm gonna go with that. Um, so I played Despotism 3K, and it was a fun little resource kind of management uh, slash strategy game uh, where you are this despot robot AI which has survived the post-apocalypse, and now you have. A handful of it always describes them as puny humans which is just always amusing um and you have to use them to generate power for yourself if you run out of power you lose the game and it's kind of like a roguelite and that every time you lose you have to start all over from day one again um but you also then need to kind of feed them so you've got different kind of facilities that you have to put them in and the best part of the game is these random events which happen and it's things like my favorite one it's, it's really simple and it's kind of stupid and immature but i just loved it and it came up for me like three times where this it comes up with like a text dialogue and then kind of talks you through it and it's like a tree has approached your enclave or whatever and it mumbles some garbage at you and then it gives you two options to reply which is like fuck off tree and then you throw it in the bioreactor or it's like you direct it to the nearest woods that it's looking for so you and then goes into loads of detail about the directions you give it and then if you give it the directions it's like the tree shuffles off very happily and drops an item on the ground that looks like coal and then it's like in hindsight it probably just shat out some garbage which you've just taken to use good on you and it's just loads of little things like this it's got loads of pop culture references which is great but the reason i don't recommend it is because it's rng is fucking bullshit and it drove me absolutely mad to the point where i almost smashed my ps5 controller um it ended my run so many times where i'd finally got myself into a stable position almost about to hit day 25 or whatever it was i needed to get to and then a random event would occur and it'd be like half of your population has died because they're stupid. And I'm like, cool, wicked. That's just ended my run for me now. I can't come back from that. Um, and there's other little ones as well. They're all funny. They're all amusing. I like them all, but it, just gameplay-wise, it completely soured it. So if you like strategy resource games, you'll probably enjoy it, but just be aware the RNG will probably ruin your life while playing it. I like this. There's a backwards that recommend. This is not recommended because it has this in it. Yeah. Honestly, like I was playing it, and at first, my first it sounded so like, positive. Yeah, I was like, "This is great. I'm really enjoying this. I'm actually surprised how good it is." And then I think it was like an hour and a half, two hours later, I was like, "This is fucking bullshit, and I hate it." Um, and Ross, if you remember when we met in the pub afterwards, like Ross was like, "Oh, how's uh despotism?" And I was like, "Don't, don't, just don't." don't speak to me i've come here on purpose to get away from this fucking game um it was yeah. the first time i met mars in real life and he said don't speak to me <laughs> i was like jesus who is this guy to be fair host roscoe started it so we're all right yeah true <laughs> true yeah yeah i was a bit of a dick to you last time oh well fully deserved fully fully deserved fully deserved. deserved uh toby your recommendation for the week um i didn't realize we could didn't just recommend chocolate you can make you can recommend whatever you want. That's the whole point. <laughs> recommend anything. I, I mean, you know, I recommend chocolate. Just overall, <laughs> all just the different general. types. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. Uh, if you haven't tried chocolate before, <laughs> now's that's the time. Completely ridiculous. What are you doing? Um, and for the few people who are allergic to chocolate, oh man, I feel for you. I really do. Oh. Um, my real recommend is uh, the trailer for Marvel's What If uh, series, which is what follows Loki. Um, I'm yet to catch up completely with Yoki, uh, Loki, rather Yoki, Yogi Bear, um, <laughs> no, Lo Loki, um, but I'll hopefully finish it relatively soon. Um, but the new one, the What If series, looks right up my street, way, way more than the last couple of things. Um, so this is basically a animated series of um, 
separate stories over each each week or or each episode i'm not sure if it's going to come out in one go or or be weekly like the others have been um but it references sort of different timelines and alternate parallel universes for the marvel franchise so the idea would be that instead of it being captain america um the way you know him uh, it would be a female captain america which would be peggy as captain carter or Killmonger and Iron Man would be best friends and would, you know, go around solving crimes together. Do you know, it's that kind of strange different timelines and sort of pairing up different characters from different areas of Marvel um, and having them just, you know, in, in each other's um, areas, in each other's universes, in each other's suits even. It just, it, it just messes with the whole thing. Um, and I just think that's really cool. I think that's a really interesting way to watch these established characters in new settings and, you know, give them new genders and new worlds and such. It makes me hopeful mm. for more stories to come from Marvel where they're maybe not quite part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe and, you know, they have to have continuity and they have to be all part of each phase. The ones that are going to be more interesting are the ones that are going to go outside of that, the ones where you can kill off main characters, the ones where you can have, you know, everyone who's male be female in this world or, or whatever it might be. Um, that kind of thing, you know, back when back when I used to read the comics and such, you know, the, the comics where all the X-Men were incinerated, do you know what I mean? And you had to completely rely on a whole new set of mutants. And I was like, that's far more interesting. I want that. I want those stories where people actually die off and or, or you know, entirely new scenarios are set up. So, uh, yeah, check out the trailer um, for that. The animation style is also really cracking and really cool. And um, I think it looks really, really fun. Yeah, it looks great. I'm looking forward to seeing T'Challa as uh, Star Lord. Yeah, that looks yeah, cool. That's going to be fun. There was a whole bunch in there that I sort of half could work out what was going on, but I think we need more. We need to see more to know what all those stories are. Have you started Loki yet? Uh, not oh, well. I watched like the first episode. Okay. All right. Not very far yet. Okay. If yeah, it finishes this week, so mm-hmm. you got to catch up, man. I know. If you want a story outside of the main MCU, I think that's your best bet right now. Because I'll keep watching then. I mean, it's, you know, I don't think it's it's set on the same timeline. This is, trying to quite liked, this is why I quite liked WandaVision as well, because it felt like it was separate for a long time. Yeah. It, there was a, a, a large portion of it was very separate. Cool. Yeah, it's great. Um, Tim, what would you recommend to, a, to us in the audience this week? I have uh, three recommendations. Uh, two non-game related, one tangentially game related so the first two um movie called the paper tigers um it's a uh kung fu action movie very akin to cobra kai karate kid um very cool movie just came out recently um so if you're into either either of those universes or kind of that lore uh paper tigers really cool um, second recommendation would be a movie called Deliver Us from Evil. Uh, it's a Korean action movie. Uh, came out, I think, in May. Um, I just watched it recently. Very cool. So if you're if you ever seen The Man from Nowhere, or you're familiar with any just kind of Korean action movies in general. Um, has a little bit of Indonesian flair kind of baked into it. Um, very cool. Uh, I highly recommend it. And then the last one is uh, Resident Evil Infinite Darkness on Netflix. It's a four-episode kind of prelude that kind of ties together the events between Resident Evil 4 and Resident Evil 6. Um, so if you're interested in Evil, um, it's certainly not 
going to knock your socks off, but it, it's, it's cool and kind of ties together some things. So those would be my recommendations for the week. Cool. Yeah. Uh, Deliver Us Some Evils is, um, is fantastic. Well worth a watch. Yeah. I second that notion completely. Uh, my recommendation would be Black Widow, I guess, uh, sticking with the MCU. I went to see it this weekend. I went to a cinema, which was amazing. I went outside and saw people and went to a cinema with them. It was fantastic. And I had a really good time. I mean, I don't think it's it's top tier MCU, but to get some more on the, the backstory of Natasha, um, talk about law, Tobes, you know, talk about that law. And they kind of, they add to the law and the mythos of where she came from. And that's really what the story is about. And it's great. And it's set. It's not a massive kind of uh, kind of prequel, if you like. Um, it's set in between Civil War and whatever came next. Uh, Infinity War, I guess, uh, was close to that one. And so, yeah, it's great. Uh, Scarlett Johansson is fantastic when it's kind of just her. When you really focus on Black Widow, it's great. And she's got, there's got Yelena, played by Florence Pugh, who is amazing anyway, but she's fantastic in this. And I really hope that we get to see more of her uh, moving forward in the MCU into Phase 4. Uh, so it's very exciting to see where that will go. And a post credit scene that will blow your mind if you're deep in the MCU lore and stuff. It's a, it's a cracker. And once again, MCU, make movies that get us excited about other things. More exciting than the actual product was. That's what they do best. That's exactly what Black Widow is. It's um, perfectly fine, perfectly functional, well worth a watch. Nothing spectacular, but great to see the MCU back and great to, great to be able to go to cinemas again and be able to sit in a cinema with my mates and watch a Marvel movie. I think um, that as a moment was fantastic. So if you can get to your local cinema, go see Black Widow, go see Fast and Furious 9, go see Space Jam and New Legacy, go and see whatever you want to see because uh, it's, uh, it's great to be able to go back to the cinemas again and especially to go and see Marvel stuff. So that's, uh, that's awesome. Uh, right then, let's finish off with... Toby Anderson's Games of the Week. <laughs> My picks for best games coming up in the next week. <laughs> it's got absolutely <laughs> nothing to do with whether these will be good or not. They're just ones I noticed. Um, so uh, July 13th, when this goes up, and you can listen to us, um, Curved Space, which we reviewed uh, a week or so back, uh, Miles played, is coming to Switch. Uh, on July 15th, uh, it's nice that you just mentioned Space Jam, uh, New Legacy, because the little tie-in game that's like a sort of retro brawler uh, is coming to xbox xbox game pass etc on july 15th um it looks like a little bit of fun um hopefully it is good and on july 16th because then there's like a four day dearth of like dirge of no games whatsoever worth talking about um july 16th has three um f1 2020 is coming to pc ps4 ps5 xbox and series x and s um, but just not switch because probably couldn't run it um maybe it'd be maybe it'd manage if it was in the cloud or something but yeah f1 2020 uh, observer system redux which was meant to be next gen only um remake of that uh, of the observer game uh, is coming to last gen uh, consoles so that's coming to ps4 and xbox one probably because there wasn't enough people with ps5s it was digital only and no one really noticed and so they need to sell more games so that's coming to uh, last gen it's inspired me to play it so i've actually got i've got a copy of that now and i'll play it as soon as possible and lastly uh for july 16th also zelda another a remake um oh, not remake uh, re-release zelda skyward sword is coming to switch the hd re-release um, of Skyward Sword. And that's my picks. 
Nice, along with the Amiibo that you have to buy in order if you if you want a new feature in the yeah, game. Yeah, we talked about this before, didn't we? Why fast travel is stuck behind an Amiibo. Yeah, it's disgusting. But there we go. Nintendo, gun and Nintendo. Uh, cool. Thanks, Tips. Um, I might have to check out that Space Jam game. Yeah, me too. If it's on Xbox Game Pass anyway, uh, yeah. then I can try it for free. But Miles yeah. can't because he doesn't have Miles can't. doesn't have Game Pass. So <laughs> um, there it is again. Very stupid. <laughs> <laughs> um, I bought an Xbox controller the other day and I sent Kat a, a two-week code for Game Pass. I don't know if either of you have uh, used it yet, but uh, it's there if you want it. I need to get an Xbox first, but I will. I will. You can, play, you can do it on your phone. You can do it on your PC. Oh, I don't think my phone can hack it. It's like five years old now. <laughs> <laughs> it's all cloud-based. You'll be all right. Yeah, I'll find. It. I'll figure it away. Yeah. Uh, cool. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that does bring an end to this week's Finger Guns podcast. Thank you all very much for listening. Don't forget, you can follow us absolutely everywhere over on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Finger Guns UK, on Twitter at FNGRGNS, all of our all of our links are in the description below. Follow the link tree to find us absolutely everywhere. I tell you what, if you really like what we do, why not follow our Patreon? For $1 a month, you can keep this podcast live on its various podcast hosting services and keep the website nice and shiny. If you want to follow us individually, you can just look for our names in the description below on Twitter. But that's it. Thank you very much indeed for listening. It is goodbye from Toby Anderson. Sayonara. It's goodbye from Miles Thompson. Uh, well. It's goodbye from the greatest guy in the whole wide world, Mr. Tim Utley. Good day, everyone. Thank you very See much you, for Tim. coming on, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, cheers, Tim. Yeah, no problem. And it's goodbye from me. I've been Roscoe. Until next time. Well, it might be Sean hosting next time because Cat might kill me before next Sunday. We shall see what happens. Until then, though, sayonara. Have a great week. Bye.